I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> This is the second part of a fireside chat that took place at the University of Denver. And you're hearing the voices of Alyssa Tundador, Eye to Eye's Senior Mentoring Program Coordinator. And she's talking with David and they're talking with audience members of Eye to Eye's Young Leaders Organizing Institute. Just threw a bunch of words at you. What is Eye to Eye? It's a national organization whose mission is to improve the educational experience and outcomes of neurodiverse young people while engaging them and their allies in the movement for a more equitable and inclusive society. And the OI is where essentially they bring together all the young leaders, all the student leaders from all their programs and they connect they learn, they train, they get into it. And so this is the second part of that live recording. So go back and listen to the first part if you want, or just stick around for some interesting questions from these amazing young leaders. Does anyone have any questions? Whoa. Okay. Hi, my name's Lee. Um, so you talk a lot about this goal of helping out the future generations of people with LDs and, and building a sort of solidarity and community uh, within other people who have LDs. Can you think of a specific time or moment when you really felt like you had made a great stride towards that, something that you felt really proud of? Okay, so I'm not even trying. There are so many. Like, I have a lot, and I'm really lucky. Um, I'm just going to rapid fire, go through a bunch of them. Someone trying a strawberry for the first time and realizing it was delicious. Somebody realizing they could read a book. Somebody realizing they didn't have to sit still. Somebody realizing that they were worth it. They were good enough. The time that I was called into a school system and called doctor 13 times, even though I kept correcting them. The time that I was able to evidence differences in somebody's education plan, the time that I was able to talk to parents to get them to diagnose their kids appropriately, for them to understand their kids differently. Um, every single time I came back from an OI or like one of these speaking events and had to talk to friends about where I just was. Like um, one of the one moment for me that really stands out is I, I can't say the person, but I'll say somebody butt dialed me. You don't talk about where like the name comes through and all of a sudden they're like leaving this long message. And I never listen to messages. Does everyone like you just, I, it's the voicemail. I got a number. I'll call that number back and find out what they said. Right. So it was like a year later, I listened to this voicemail and a person didn't know that they had called me. And all I heard them saying was, yeah, no, David, help me understand that ADHD is different. It's not like a disability. It's really like different sets of, you know, medication isn't bad. You could use it if you want to. Like they were talking with their friends, like, like chat about like what they'd learned from me. And they didn't know that I was hearing it. And like that 
made my heart explode in a good way. Hi, my name's Carly. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I was wondering, there are a lot of neurotypical people who still use language that is harmful to uh, the neurodiverse community. I think we know what language I'm talking about, but they use it in terms of like, oh, I'm just talking about like, they're stupid. Like I'm just using that word because they're stupid or words, whatever that phrase may be. And um, I was wondering where are, or how would you address a discussion like that with someone? when you understand that their intentions aren't negative and that it's really just a lack of awareness or like, and you want to keep this person in your life or maybe you don't, but like the appropriate way to approach it, especially if it's coming from, I guess, just a level of ignorance. Yeah. Wow. Great question. Can I ask you, wait, wait, before I got to ask you a couple, how well do yes. I know this person? Um. Let's say maybe they're relatively new in your life, but someone you're interested in keeping. That's the hard one. Perfect. No, let's go there. If it's family members or if it's family members or someone that you really know, what I found is creating parallels that shock them is helpful. When it's about a new person in your life that you don't want to scare away. I think the most important thing is to not fight a belief, but contradict it. How many times do you all in your language talk about your neurodivergence in a good way? Oh man, I had a neurodivergent moment, right? It doesn't happen all the time. And we're not even bad people, right? Like we've been conditioned. One day I had, I got this really big slice of pizza, right? And I put a bunch of salad in the middle of it and I folded it in half and I called it a pizza taco and everyone laughed at me, but it was like one of those long slices. So it like works, you know, you're folding, you're eating it. Okay. And I, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, this is the best. And everyone's like started mocking me, but then like everyone at the table, like actually did it. And they're like, oh, this is so good. And I'm like, yeah, that's an ADHD thing rebranding. I think the other thing that we need to think about is parallel examples for people to feel more of the intensity. So I had one teacher talking to me about like, oh, I just, listen, they're at an IEP. I need them to be more comfortable talking about their learning differences. And I go, cool. How much do you weigh? And they went, what? And I go, well, it's obviously, you know, that we could talk about it, right? Parallel shock. So depending on how well we know the person, I tend to throw different things out there. Um, lastly, I talk about culture and I talk about oppression and I give people the out. Like people get worse when you convict them. Oh man, I heard you say the dumbest thing. And they're like, no, I didn't. You know, they'll double down on that. No, they didn't thing. What I found is you can give them, like, what I know you didn't mean to do is oppress a population and say that everyone's stupid. I know you didn't mean to do that. And it's really hard to see people like not learn in a very typical way. What is that like for you? You give them the out right away. Like, oh, you're not trying to be an oppressive jerk, ableist, are you? Like, I know you're not. And they're like, oh, no, of course not. I'm like, obviously, you wouldn't be sitting with me if you were an ableist because I, I learned differently. You don't think I'm done. Done, 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 done. What I've learned, though, is the more you combat a belief of another person, the more you entrench it which drives me bonkers. Have you ever seen people fight about how tall they are? You know, like I'm, I'm six foot. No, I'm six foot and I'm definitely taller than you. Like, what does it matter? But like all of a sudden they're fighting about a subjective reality and they're getting more and more. They don't, no one questions it. Like, oh, maybe I'm not six foot. <laughs> right? It's a really good question. Hi. 
Uh, my name is also Carly. So Hi. Double up. Um, I have a question about um, people who are neurodivergent and advice you have for seeking a therapist who supports them. Uh, so I've noticed like a lot of language that talks about neurodiversity and neurodivergent people uses really infantilizing examples or experiences or um, not person first language. Um, and I've noticed that like, there's a lot of situations with therapists that may like explicitly or like online say, hey, like I'm someone who works with neurodivergent people or a coach, da, 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 and they might not be coming at it with like a person first attitude. Yep. And I, I think that that kind of environment is really counterintuitive to helping someone feel awful. better. Awful. So yeah, awful. Um, so I was wondering like what kind of advice you have to offer to like young adults who might be going through transitions and looking for support and how they can try and find somebody who meets their needs. You are asking this room is, I love these questions. Thank you so much for asking them. The Like, how do you find out if a therapist actually has expertise in neurodiversity, right? Because they're going to have a list of a million things that they've studied and they're a specialist in, and that might be listed in that specialty, but like, how do you actually believe that, right? Okay. So I want to remind everyone one thing about therapy right now. And just remember, like, this is a therapist telling you this, ready? So like giving you insider information, you, everyone knows this, but they don't know it. You are their boss. You hire and pay them, interview them, ask them why they said that. Do you believe that that's infantilizing? No, I'm going hard. I don't think you should give therapists any breaks and I don't think we should be attacking them either. So this is different, but I think we should be way, like I want everyone to be a, like a tight consumer. I had a meeting with somebody recently where they're like, ah, this is great. I'm, I'm going to meet with a different therapist and then like, like figure out who's better. I was like, beautiful. The most important part about therapy is fit. Like how well it like feels like actually talking to the person. Like, and so do they listen to your expertise about neurodiversity? That's the part I need everyone here to remember. You're more of an expert than they are. Do they listen to your expertise? Do they validate your expertise? Do they do, they do this when you talk about ADHD? Oh, that's a lot. Tell me more about that. Or do they say, oh, ADHD, that can be really pressing and marginalizing. How have you experienced that marginalization? One is that vacant neglect and one is targeted. And I think you are allowed to be very picky about the people you let into your life and your support system. Is this kind of like what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, therapist. Um, I want to ask kind of a lighthearted question. I yeah. mean, not that like, I don't know that. Um, uh, so my brother goes to Northwestern uh, and he complains about the food. So is it really that bad? Wait, what, like in the, wait, wait, the food like on, like on campus on or the, campus, like in the cafeteria. Where can I, can I like put your brother on blast for a second? Yeah, go for where, it. Where is he coming from? He's coming. We, we live in, um, Washington, DC. So he's you, okay. So you got good food. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. No, I looked like we got to start there, uh, on campus, but he, he's, he needs to like go into Evanston and eat. Get okay. get off of camp. Like he needs to go into the city okay. around. He complains that people are too friendly. So like he's like, oh yeah, that's the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, that's his. He's gonna have to sit with Sorry, that. Sorry, I'm bit. like really bullying my brother right now. No, no, no. It's it's uh, well, no, no. Can I can I support your brother for a second? Yeah. 
like the Midwest nice thing can like really unsettle people. Like, what are you trying to steal from me? <laughs> no, I just wonder if you have a great day. Do you like the weather? I don't know you. Why would I share that information? Right. And, but we're genuine, like, like the Midwest thing of like, hi, how are you? Is actually a question. They're waiting for the answer where most people be like, hey, how's it going? And they keep going. Right. So like, yeah. I think it's it's a cultural thing for sure. So the uh, so the food is good. It hold on, food was, is fire. No, no, the food is fire. Okay. Not he's, on he's campus. Bland and terrible, and he complains every night. He calls us up, and he's like, "Food was terrible. I'm starving here." I'm like, "You are at Northwestern, like oh, oh no, no. Let, let let me do this. I'm gonna go one more. I was I was at a school with my partner, right, like undergrad, and I'm like, no, this doesn't taste good. No, this doesn't taste good. And my partner's like, you are the pickiest son of a gun in the world. I'm like, oh, I don't want to admit that. I'm not. Oh, my God, I'm picky. Like, I had to realize that. Then my partner moves back with me. We're back in the Chicago area. And then all of a sudden, my partner goes, oh, oh, we didn't have good food. And I'm like, yeah, not, not, not a school. Like, this is good pizza. It's like, oh, yeah. So, like, there's little learning for sure. Um, oh, can we, can I go stay light harder for one second? Would your brother eat, which would your brother order? French fries or ice cream? Shoot. I don't know. Um, I think he's, I think he's an ice cream guy. No, well. Okay. He's a journalism major. Oh, that's his fault. Okay. Two things, two things. You tell him to try Jenny's ice cream. Oh, Jenny's. It's in, it's in, um, it's, it's near where I live. Yeah. Does he know that that's from Chicago? That's his area? He doesn't know. Oh, I gotta uh, go tell okay. him that. Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams is actually from Columbus, Ohio. It originates from Ohio, but it can be found uh, throughout the Chicagoland area and thankfully in Nashville as well. Um, and maybe in your neck of the woods too. Uh, if you haven't tried it yet, the Everything Bagel flavor. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Anyway, back to David. That's one. Um, and then... I would say if he wants to stay local and he wants like a pretty good experience, ah, check out Gigi's. Gigi's? Yeah, for sure. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, got you. Does anyone have any more food-related questions? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you see a squirrel, we gotta talk about a squirrel, like for sure. Okay, now I'm gonna hit you with a hardball one. So. All right, flex. Let's go. Okay, so I don't even know how to phrase this, so I wrote it down. But in my school and in my community, the term ADHD is really overused in a like, oh, I have such bad ADHD. I can never sit still or like I cannot focus. It's like um, devalued a little bit. And I would rarely say I have ADHD to like a teacher or a friend because of that fear of being dismissed and um, because that's what I'm surrounded by. How would you approach this? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think this is just like a trend? And then kind of going off of that, you talked about the like being pat on the head, like the aw. Do you think one is worse than the other? The condescending versus the dismissive? Or are they equally bad? Oh, man. Good question. Yeah, okay. sorry. No, 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 sorry. Put stuff that sorry in a sock. That's a great question. Okay, so like, I think it's personal. I think every person has their own valences or vulnerabilities around like what they can't tolerate. When someone infantilizes me, I lose it because I'm not a baby. I have a beard and everything, you know, like, like I'm not a baby. Um, can I say this differently? I'm going to start over. It's a frequency measure. 
whichever one you get more of is going to be worse. And I think, are you asking how do you fight that experience in like a school or how do you own your own label differently in a school when it's being devalued? I think that the most important thing to remember is you're modeling it for other people. They're not modeling it for you. And I think finding ways to talk about it when you're the one with the IEP or the 504 and they're not, finding ways to talk about it privately with teachers becomes important. And I think having casual conversations of how can people talk about feeling neurodivergent without devaluing neurodivergence? Because I think this is about like in therapy, we talk about this as parts work, right? There could be a part of everyone that's a little ADHD if I put them in the right room and situation, right? And they can use that moment to empathize with us or use that moment to destroy us. And I think I always encourage people to find ways to use the empathy. So it's finding the positive examples, rebranding the, the neurodiversity, like it's so important. Um, and, and in school, when you're talking to a teacher, like apologize for how the law supports this and makes them do extra work. Did you hear how I did that? Cause, cause I'm threatening them kind of, but not <laughs> like, right. Because we can not like most IEP plans make teachers work longer hours, cost the school more money. That's a real fact. I'm not trying to like just So like, oh man, that's just thinks that like, once this is an IEP, it's a law. Like, how can I help with this? <laughs> now the teacher's like, it's, oh yeah, that's right. It's a law. Are these helpful ways of like throwing that? Yeah, no, definitely. And I've had even members of my family say like, I think, oh yeah, I think everybody's a little ADHD or like, I think everybody's a little autistic. Like, no, your brain is either wired one way or it might not. Oh, when your family says that, oh, so, oh, okay. Oh, I, I care about your family and you care about your family. So we're not here to like put your family on blast. I think the hardest part about this for people, when they try to normalize you by saying you're like everyone else, they dehumanize you. They are getting rid of a lot of parts of you that matter. Oh, you know what? I had a hard time picking a sandwich once. I'm a little ADHD, but you know how I handled that sandwich picking thing? I really thought, what sandwich do I want? Okay, now you're off the, like, this doesn't make any sense. I can't do that second part. I get two sandwiches all the time and then have the buyer's remorse. That's ADHD, right? Like, so... <laughs> But I think what you want to do is remind them that they're maybe making it a little reductionistic. And maybe it's not that simple. Awesome. Thank you. Also, gotcha. your shirt is amazing. Thank you so much. My shirt says neurospicy. I'm just saying this for later when people can't see me. Uh, well, uh, is it okay if I ask like a few different questions? Please. Okay. Pretend like I want to answer all of them. You probably don't, but that's okay. You are wrong. <laughs> okay. I do. Okay. Uh, so, like, the first one's, like, low-key on that part. Like, how would you give advice to people who want to speak about their experiences, but, like, feel a type of guilt because there are people who, like, devalue what's ha what people go through? And it's like, I know that I go through this, but I'm not going to say how severe it is. Because, oh, well, what if someone has it worse than me and I'm just like playing it up or something like that? I have to say something very honest to you right now. Mm. You were saying that and I just thought, I wonder what Blue is doing right now. Did somebody give him his medication? Blue is my cat in Chicago. Oh. Can you say that again? Because it was actually important and I want to answer that. Okay. Yeah, so oh. sorry. 
So how would you give advice or how would you advise someone on how to not feel guilty when talking about their experiences? So like, um, because there are a lot of people who are like almost devalue devaluing uh, experiences by like faking or saying, oh, well, everything has a little bit of this. But it's like when you do talk about your own experiences, you feel like, oh, maybe I'm being dramatic because there's people who are have it worse than me. Or maybe there are people. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just like making it up or something like that. Can I come kind of hard at this? Okay. I think it's really hard to have courage. It's really hard. And I think people will always do things that we don't like when we talk about these things. Your question stands like, how do I tolerate that though? Like, how do I tolerate that energy coming back at me? How do I talk about these parts of me? I want to say a couple things like when people are neurodivergent, they often think if it's hard for them, it's easy for everyone else. And if it's easy for them. It's easy for everyone else. And that's not true. And I think when we can honor how difficult things are, you're speaking to other people in our culture, not neurotypical people. Like, um, it was really embarrassing on one level to ask you to say that question again, because I didn't want to waste your time and think that you weren't important. You are important. And that's why I had to apologize. And I think that the hardest part about this is people don't want to own those moments in life. They don't want to say, I forgot about that because I was thinking about my cat who literally is taking Prozac as an ear tube medication right now. My neighbor's giving it to him. And I don't know why. Like I had that whole thought process and it got rid of what you were saying. I had to own that. And I think when you're talking about owning your experiences, I, when I was trying to study to learn how to spell when I was a kid, my dad, who was a teacher, by the way, um, was teaching me how to spell the word peace versus the word peace. What's wrong with our language? So like uh, they're talking about like the piece of pizza versus the world piece, right? Like that stuff. So he had me write each word 200 times on one side of paper. Peace, 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 peace. He's like, he's like this will help you remember it because simple frequency of doing stuff, right? I did that for like two and a half hours. You are showing a face of pain right now that lets me know you know exactly what I'm talking about. And right now there could be people thinking I'm slow for not, like I still can't spell though. Like I can spell world peace. I can't spell a piece of pizza to this day. Uh, and like, I'm a grown up, right? So it's like, I think when you can honor those things, there's a bunch of people in this room right now going, oh man, yeah, I can't spell words. Let's talk about words we can't spell. Like <laughs> that comes out the moment someone can take that lead. And so like, please think about who you can stand with to feel more comfortable making very vulnerable statements in public because it doesn't have to hurt. Mm, okay, I have two more questions. What are your thoughts on people who, who are neurodiverse? And I mean, I know this applies to me, but like almost make fun of themselves for being that way. And I know that like, I hang out a lot of, with a lot of people who are also neurodiverse and we kind of, make fun of each other for it but in a like if somewhere someone else were to do it who isn't it's like a that's not okay but we have a shared experience like what are your thoughts on that yeah okay so I can talk about myself for a second I talk about qualifiers when I'm talking about something I have low self-esteem around or feel like I have guilt around which means let me give you an example I was at work the other day and I was like, oh, don't, everyone don't kill me for this. I'm so sorry, but I like football. 
I literally said, don't kill me for this to people that I work with. <laughs> like, and one of them said, that doesn't feel so good to hear. And I went, oh, I didn't mean it that way. And they're like, why did you say it then? <laughs> and I was like, oh, and now I want to, want to make sure you're feeling heard. We're trained to make those jokes. We are trained to be as invisible as the world needs us to be. And I think it's really hard to change those habits. And those, I think, are the habits that help us change our self-esteem. Okay. But I know a lot of people who are neurodivergent have like special interests. How, how do you bring up said special interests to people who aren't neurodiverse without them being like, stop? You know what I mean? Because I'd be talking about the same stuff with my friends every single day. And then they're like, you told me this five times already. Can you mm -hmm. stop? And I'm like, Okay, but you really need to hear it this time because I have something slightly different to say. You are so right. My partner had to tell me, I love you. I need you to stop talking about this around me. Can you talk about with other friends maybe? And I was like, oh. And so I'm acknowledging that like that person's allowed to have a boundary and I can like listen to it. I will prep people by saying, oh my God, I'm super into D&D &D all the time. Can we talk about it? And they'll be like, no, no well, like what is D&D? &D? And I'll be like, Oh, do you want to talk about it for a week? Like, it's like one of those things, right? Um, I don't think that I have to apologize for my hyper focuses and my really intense interests, but I have to find safe people, which is what you're talking about, to kind of like sit with that through. Like I have friends that play the same video game for the last decade, but they play it with like their friends. Like they are going to play Call of Duty. That's what they're going to do. Whatever the new Call of Duty is, that's what they're going to play. They're going to play that. And like, I can't shame them for that. I don't feel shame that they're doing the same thing for so long. But I think it's really important to know your audience and always remember, I heard this, um, I heard this from a colleague of mine that I really love. Please remember that there's a Venn diagram around D&D &D that's really important. One circle has to do with neurodivergence. One circle has to do with anti-oppression. And it's actually a whole circle. That's D&D. &D. So like, yeah, of course you like it, but like we could talk about that a lot more, right? We wouldn't get as bored, but like who here doesn't like D&D? &D? Honestly, for real, raise your hand for a second. Thank you. Knowing that I'm going to spare you the next 15 minutes of telling you about my character Gruff. And, and that's an, like, I'm not, I wasn't really going to go into it, but like, that's, I think it's about understanding that boundaries often feel really personal and they like, they're rarely, if ever personal. When my partner is asking me to not talk about that thing that I was talking about, like, again, it's not because of who I am. It's because of what they need. It always feels personal. Like, I, I explain this in my office this way. Like, I have a briefcase. I'm a therapist. My briefcase has confidential stuff in it to the max. Not really, but, like, in my brain, right? And so the rule in my family with everyone I know is you do not go in my briefcase. No one goes in my briefcase. Everyone leaves it alone. It's done, Right. But if anyone here, like, or even my partner started opening my briefcase, what do you think I would do? I'd be like, no, 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 whoa, 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 right? I'd come up, I'd come hard, like, oh, whoa, whoa, don't, don't, please close it. It's not them, it's my briefcase. So like when you're hearing the rejection of please stop talking about your interest, one truth is remembering that that's their boundary. We don't have to keep talking about it with them, but you're not wrong because they had a boundary. All right, thank you. Also, I really like D&D too, and I do want to hear about your character. Oh, Gruff, we'll talk about the non-binary fighter, no problem, but later. Amazing.
Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.